This is the Inside the Pylon Mock War Room Draft. Chuck Zada here as your host. Wrapping up the last few picks that we've had, the ninth overall pick, Joey Bosa's slide finally stops in Tampa Bay. The New York Giants take Josh Doxson, wide receiver out of TCU with the 10th overall pick. And Ronnie Stanley, the second offensive lineman off the board at number 11 to the Chicago Bears. Meaning, we head down south to the New Orleans Saints. Saints obviously in a bit of a transition year at this point. Uh, Anytime you're picking at this point in the draft, you certainly can say that that's where your franchise is. We have handed the reins to Inside the Pylon's own Dave Archibald. Dave, I'd like you to please introduce your staff. Sure. So on the call today, we're just going to have one. This is Nate Pizzolatto of Zone Reads. He's going to be functioning as our head coach, representing the short-term on-the-field interests. Uh, I've also floated some ideas by some of the other ITP folks, so you may see some quotes from them at some point today. Outstanding. Well, Dave, you now have 15 minutes to make the selection for the Saints, and you are officially on the clock. All right, so first let's go through a little bit the needs of the team. I think because of the Saints' fairly poor showing the last couple seasons there's an impression that drew Brees has fallen off um but in actuality the saints they had the eighth highest scoring offense in the league second in yards Brees led the league in passing yards despite missing a game i think some of the uh rumors of decline are overblown nate is that your read of things yeah i tend to agree with you and i'm sure you read my piece on their drafting history um back in december i think but i think that's sort of what it comes down to is breeze isn't declining it's uh it's the fact that they've generally not done a good job of restocking the roster around him most of the time and on the rare occasions they do find a good player, you know, something happens that he gets hurt or they lose him some other means, like a junior Gallette, for example, or, you know, trading away Jimmy Graham. So even, even the times they do, you know, make a hit there, it seems like they have, the hits haven't stuck around as long as expected, and there have been a lot of misses. I like last year's class, but... That's shown up most on the defense. A few stats... 476 points against worst in the NFL, 6,615 yards, second worst, 45 passing touchdowns, worst, (laughs) 7.9 net yards per pass against worst, 4.9 rush yards, average worst, (laughs) 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 six or seven key statistics where the Saints are worst or second worst. Yeah, I mean, I think I think their needs are basically uh, outside pass rusher, inside pass rusher, run defender, outside pass rusher again, uh, <laughs> pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, and maybe a run stopper and a coverage linebacker. Um, there are a couple needs on offense too, but uh, that's the primary focus. What I would be doing, especially in the draft this deep at defensive line. Yeah, I think the one thing that's interesting about the defense, though, they had. 45 games started by rookies last year on yes. on just on defense, which is the most in the NFL. And that doesn't include Delvin Bro, who was, you know, he started 15 games in his first year in the NFL after right. being in the CFL on a couple of other leagues. So they do have some young guys where they can expect to see some improvement. 
Yeah, and I agree. And that's one thing uh, One thing I wanted to mention is despite all the numbers about passing yards and passing touchdowns, I think they've got enough young talent in the secondary that um, it's not as urgent a concern. I mean, some of those guys will need to continue improving. But right now, you know, your top your, with probably your top four cornerbacks is expected going into the year. Three of them are going to be second-year players in Bro, P.J. Williams, and Damian Swan. And uh, whatever we get from Keenan Lewis on top of that, who was, you know, had a drop-off last year, mostly attributable to injury. Could be age, too, but he was a nice value signing when they signed him. And so if he bounces back to anything like his old level of play, I think they're actually fine at cornerback. Which, yeah, I think, again... I think Lewis only played six games last year, and Swan missed big stretches of the year and pj williams didn't play at all so right yeah pj williams had a i think a preseason injury and swan had a couple of concussions so let's so. focus in on the defensive line a little bit so yes. when we first started talking about this two names of guys you thought might be available at this point shaq lawson out of clemson and sheldon rankins out of louisville and lo and yes. behold they're both here. <laughs> yeah, and I think either one will be a fine pick here. Um, hmm, my personal lean, given, uh, well, this almost has as much to do with, um, I, you know, well, I do have him a slightly better player, but it, also the depth of position. I lean towards Lawson over Rankins just because I think you could possibly get someone just as effective in the second round with, say, or not just as effective rank, but close enough with like a Vernon Butler or what have you, uh, Chris Jones, maybe Mississippi State, whereas at in, I don't think there's going to be another edge rusher of Lawson's caliber at all. Um, you know, Emmanuel Ugba's, you know, a little bit raw. Uh, Noah Spence isn't quite as athletic as you, as you want, and both those guys will be gone by the next pick anyway. You know, if you wait till the mid-40s for an edge rusher, you know, you might be looking at like a Shalit Calhoun or something like that, and uh, pretty substantial drop-off. Um yeah. The consensus is that the defensive line talent in this class is considerable. And I, I think the way things have unfolded so far, DeForest Buckner's gone, but um, Rankins is still there. Andrew Billings out of Baylor, who I know we both like. The, yeah, uh, Billings is another intriguing possibility because he does, you know, he's, he's very young. And even though he didn't test athletically that well, he moves really well for his size and so there's, there's, yeah, there's some intrigue in maybe setting him up as the big run stopper in the middle and then trying to manufacture a pass rush elsewhere. And those uh, Alabama guys, Ashawn Robinson and Jaron Reed, who I, I think we both feel like we'd like to get a little more. <laughs> Obviously, the Saints have needs both in stuffing the run and in uh, rushing the passer, but we'd probably like to get a little more pass rushing disruption than those guys offer at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like the single one biggest thing they can do is add the pass rush. They need they need run defense help to be sure, but really seems the, like, that seems like the sort of thing we can get in, you know, second round, third round. Right. With, yeah, you know. stopping I think I think, you know, the NFL these days that's the game is, you know, the passing and stopping the pass and, you know, as long as you have Drew Brees, you'll always be able to pass at least to a I was going to say a passable degree, but that's, um, you know, at least some level of competence. Like you said, even on a, even, even on a team where he, you know, his, his number one, you know, he didn't really have much of a true number one receiver and he had a terrible defense and was often having to throw a lot just to compensate. He still led the league in a lot of stats and still, still finished as a very efficient offense for the most part. So I think, yeah, what they really need, you know, and that was their goal 
supposedly this last year was to try to improve the defense to the point where Breeze didn't have to carry them, and it just you know didn't work. They didn't have enough talent still, even after a year of trying to devote resources to that. And I think the um, the preseason where Galat had those domestic violence incidents and ended up they ended up cutting him, and that was a big blow. Both you know yeah. they missed his production, and also he. <laughs> He took up a lot of the cap, and is still taking up a lot of the cap. Yeah, that. Oh my gosh, we are getting a whole other thing about you know their cap, uh, their cap uh, acrobatics to try to fit in new signings and such. That's a that's a whole other chapter, and it's it's one that keeps them kicking the can down the road, and has made it tough to fill some of these holes for so long. Seven minutes remaining. All right. Um, okay, so cap aside, but yeah, like if they had Galette, then you know you'd see a defense that was much more, I think, a traditional three-four with. Galette and Holy Kikaka on the outside, and uh, Cameron Jordan Moore is rushing from the 3-4 end, which would have, you know, both, I think, allowed him to, or I think would have would have allowed uh, Kikaka to play more of a traditional edge rusher, too, and thus you get the three of them rushing, whereas a lot of the times last year, especially once Dennis Allen took over as D.C., they had Kikaka dropping off, and yeah, so. that's Yeah, uh, that's an interesting uh, point about the, the defensive shift. Obviously, Rob Ryan, all the Ryans, famous for the 3-4 defenses. And uh, Allen really pushed them in more of a 4-3 direction, but it did have some unusual wrinkles to it. Yeah, because they'd run, yeah, sometimes it would be a 4-3, sometimes it would be more like a 3-3-5 or what have you. They'd mix up fronts a lot, especially um, 6 or 7 out there uh, when they're in the nickel or dime package. Um, So... Yeah, and the, the interesting thing is, too, like when they run the 4-3, basically the nominal start at the other end is Bobby Richardson, who is, you know, an undrafted free agent out of Indiana and a pretty good player. We had like a fourth-round grade on him last year, but he was a, he's mostly he's a 290-pound run stuffer. He would be he would be a very good player if he was just playing, you know, the first two downs as a 3-4 defensive end, but he was really like the primary end guy that year, and he can't rush the passer at all, so... As much as I like his talent, I think we really do need to add someone on the outside who can seriously rush the passer. The other thing that's worth noting, I mean, Cam Jordan is the best player in the defense. Yeah, but pretty clear. he ended up playing, I think, the fourth or fifth most snaps of any. He played 981 defensive hmm. snaps last year, which is crazy for a, uh, a guy who sometimes lines up in the interior. Right, yeah, he's like he's two hundred, you know, seventy something pounds. He's kind of a big guy. He's not like a, you know, he's not like one of those skinny two thirty, two forty, three four outside linebacker types. So if he's a, it sounds like we're we're leaning towards Lawson, um, how do you envision him fitting into the defensive scheme? Um, well, given Lawson's size, I mean, I've heard people actually kind of make direct comparisons to him to Jordan, and so. I think given his size, I think they will probably, if they draft him, they'll probably continue to run the 4-3 and have Jordan and Lawson as the two uh, defensive ends. And and I think that's probably the most appropriate way to use him. Uh, I really like, you know, I like his production. I liked his athletic testing. You know, we talked about that earlier, too. He's one of the only... Uh, he's probably the, he's one of, maybe the most athletic, you know, defensive end in this class. Yeah, Justice Mosqueda, who does the force players metric, which I know you're familiar with, he actually graded him out as the only force player in this entire draft. Right, and that's been a metric that I've kept a close eye on since he uh, 
started publishing it because it does seem to correlate strongly. And yeah, Lawson is, I mean, he kind of has everything you want there. Not only that, he does have the, the, the athletic testing that force players measures, but he's also productive that year at Clemson, basically, you know, stepping in out from the shadow of Vic Beasley and others and to his uh, own right. So I do think, yeah, I think he combines the, the talent you want to see with the production you want to see. And I mean, I have him as a top 10 player on my board. So to be fair, I have Rankins as a top 10 player too, but I think as much of a good penetrator as he's not quite as athletic. And I, and again, I think defensive tackle is so deep where there's just, you might be able to get 90, 85, 90% of what he offers in the second or even third round. Then that's not happening with the defensive end of, that's not happening with Lawson versus anyone else. Yeah, and I, I talked with uh, Shane Alexander, who's ITP's draft guru. He really felt like Rankins prototyped a lot more as a conventional three-tech in a 4-3 and didn't give you the scheme flexibility that some of the other guys offered. Lawson's kind of a guy who, he's got, like you said, he's got pretty good size. He's 6'3", 269, so he can yeah. definitely be your classic 4-3 end, but he... He's athletic enough that you could use him more in an outside linebacker role or even a little bit inside, maybe with that size. Three yeah, minutes. Exactly. His size, yeah, his size compares, you said 269. I think it compares very well to Cam Jordan, who I think is like 271 or something, you know. So, I'd be, I, you know, in certain aspects, I expect them to be similar that way, where they can both be moved around a little, depending on what other parts you have on the field, because, you know, they do have a lot of situational rusher guys like Kako and they rush him. You mentioned uh, Kasim Edavali, you know, another guy who was an undrafted free agent a couple of years ago, but they bring in as a rush linebacker on passing downs. And so, like, having a guy like Lawson who can play the outside in a traditional 4-3 or most of the time, but, you know, in an obvious passing situation, has the size to rush from the interior, I think would be a very valuable piece. Jordan can do that, too, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if Shaq Lawson ends up being another Cameron Jordan, that's a huge win for us, as I see it, you know? The, the one negative, I guess there was a medical flag on Shaq Lawson's shoulder based on the combine. I I don't have any data on that. Yeah, exactly. I, I did see that headline. Um, I don't know what to make of it, you know. I know that uh, what I read is that, you know, a few teams flagged him, but some most cleared him um, without any hard data to say, you know, it's not like it's not like a Jalen Smith situation where we could say, oh, you know, his knee is so badly damaged that teams are just dropping him from their board altogether. One minute remaining. This seems to be a much more questionable situation, but. Well, unfortunately, our, our medical staff hasn't gotten a chance to uh, re-examine him. So we're going to have to go ahead and uh, hand in our card. So. Yeah, I think we just got to. I'm fine with I would just roll it. I mean, I'm rolling the dice on Lawson here, I think, given who's available, you know. I like him better, you know, I like him just a little bit better than Rankins. Uh, and a few other guys I have ranked around here that are interesting, um, but I don't think are quite as good or are not at positions we particularly need. So, yeah, I'm handing in the card for Shaq Lawson here, and I'm going to be happy with it. All right. The New Orleans Saints with the 12th selection in the 2016 draft select Shaq Lawson, defensive end from Clemson. There you have it, the 12th overall pick, Shaq Lawson, defensive end from Clemson, heading to the New Orleans Saints. Time to head over to Shane Alexander and Mark Schofield for a little bit of analysis on this pick. Shane, looking at Shaq Lawson, uh, this is a guy uh, who coming out of Clemson, a lot of buzz about him. 
is the buzz and is the hype for real in terms of his skill set and what he's able to do coming off the edge? And, and, and talk about in particular, you know, going to New Orleans here, versatile scheme, a lot of different things you can do. Yeah, this is a fantastic pick because as someone who prefers to take elite edge rushers early in the draft, um, Lawson is absolutely that guy. And I was talking all fair to Mark. Um, if you value an edge bender as opposed to a more technical or, or, uh, or a power guy, Lawson might be your top edge player in this class because he can play offensive, or, excuse me, outside linebacker. He can play defensive end. So if they want to go different looks, um, you know, he can fit that scheme. He can bend the edge. Uh, he's stout to play in the run. I mean, 6'3, 270. So yeah, he can absolutely even kick inside. You know, I talked uh, a few days ago on the, uh, the Bosa to Tampa Bay podcast, and I said that Bosa could kick in size of four two five nickel uh, defensive tackle. He can absolutely do that. You know, I think he can play three tech in a sub package out to five tech to uh, all the way to um, you know outside linebacker in a three four. So he's stout, he's smart, uh, he's strong, and he has really good tape against really good teams. Clemson played a a heck of a schedule this past year, and he stood up in every game. Mark, talk to me about scheme fit for uh, Lawson heading to New Orleans here. I think it's great. It's, this is such a good pick. Um, they, they needed help on the defensive side of the ball. Um, this is a, a defense that struggled last year. Uh, Rob Ryan now lost his job. He's up coaching with his brother in Buffalo. You bring in a guy that, as Shane said, you can you know put him in two in a two-point stance as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. You can drop him down on the edge in a 4-3. You can kick him inside. He played primarily 5-tech when he was at Clemson. Well, you, you can shade him over, play him in a 3-tech inside and a 4-2-5 nickel. You can do a lot of things with him. He's very versatile. And in this day and age, you know, with up-tempo offenses and the kind of schemes and defenses they're going to see in that NFC South, you've got a guy that you can do a lot of things with. Uh, it's a great fit for this defense. It instantly makes that defense a bit better. Um, and, and I think it's a not only a great fit, but it's a great new sort of, I don't want to say edge or mentality or something like that to this defense, but it's something this defense needed. Shane, looking at Lawson, uh, is is he the guy that can step in and make an impact on day one? I mean, obviously, we're starting to get a little bit further on in the first round where you start to have questions sometimes about whether or not a guy can be that impact player immediately. Does Lawson still have that capability for them? Yeah, he's a top five or six player in this draft for me. And, uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm a guy that prefers to take an elite edge guy early. Don't wait on these type of players. And like Mark kind of just alluded to, the New Orleans Saints need to get back to playing at least any semblance of defense, not even just good defense. They need to play any semblance of defense. And he's a guy that, um, if nothing else, is going to get after the quarterback early. Um, that's a skill that he is good at. But I, I think he's smart enough to really produce at an advanced level. I think he'll have a good rookie year. And you know, like Mark said, there needs to be a mentality change, and he'll help bring that. Very good. Shane, Mark, big thanks for the analysis here. Shaq Lawson, number 12 to the New Orleans Saints, 12th pick in the draft that is coming out of Clemson. Tomorrow, heading to Miami, traded down in that big trade with Philly prior to the draft. What are they going to do with their first-round pick now? Tune in tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Mock War Room Draft.